and welcome to another Worst Sistershire podcast. This is episode two of Whisperia Lane, where we're covering um, the Desperate Housewives series. This episode will be covering episode three and four of season one. Um, as our listeners know, we've got a motto here, and our motto is, if attempted murder is a crime, then attempted comedy is a podcast. Um, let's introduce ourselves, guys. I'm Suna. I'm Sadie. And I'm Arzon. And without further ado, I say we get into the episodes. Um, Arzon, did you want to give us a quick recap of episode three? Yep, so episode three is called Pretty Little Picture. And this episode centers around a dinner party that Mary Alice Young had planned to throw before she passed away. Um, the housewives had decided to go ahead with it anyway, just to honor Mary Alice. And um, we find out a bit more about what's going on with the I was about to call them the liars. What are they? The housewives, I guess. <laughs> um, the housewives. Yeah, I've been calling them the housewives in my notes. Yeah. I'm so used to saying the liars. I almost said it. So I guess we find out a bit more about the housewives. So Bree's having some marriage troubles, and as we know, and they're escalating a bit. Um, Susan's really struggling to forgive her ex-husband, Carl. Gabby's dealing with um, a little kid who's blackmailing her over her affair with John. And... Um, Lynette and Tom are trying to patch up their own issues that are going on. Cool. Thank you for that. Um, Sadie, did you want to recap episode four? Yeah. Um, episode four is called Who's That Woman? And in this episode, the housewives are all dealing with their own identity problems. Um, Lynette is struggling with her twins' behavioural problems and whether she's a successful mum. Bree is struggling with the disillusion of her marriage and disciplining her kids in Rex's absence. Um, Susan is being blackmailed by Mrs. Huber and Gabby is gaslighting Carlos while he commits hate crimes. All right. So why don't we just start with Lynette? You guys happy with that? Yeah. So Lynette starts off, um, and Tommy's back from his trip away and, uh, Lynette tells him about this dinner party that they've got planned. Um, so we'll find out more about it in Susan's timeline, but, um, they're going to a dinner party at Breeze and Lynette's real excited for it. She's like, oh, you know, there's going to be non-kid stuff. There's going to be silverware and hors d'oeuvres and it's going to be so good. And Tom's like, no, I just need to chill out for a few days. Like um, I've been working so hard and he just wants to get a bottle of um, wine and a video and just hang out with his best gal. And then he says the jerkiest thing of all time. And he turns around to Lynette while she's struggling with four kids. And he's like, do you remember what it was like to work a 60-hour week? Yes. I know. So condescending. (laughs) Like this lady went out, got a sitter, got like a dress, is excited to spend some time away from the kids with her husband in like an adult setting. And this man is like, nah, I don't want to. Yeah, he's very much in his own world and he doesn't really think about kind of what Lynette wants and what she's feeling and how she must be going crazy mm. being home with all these kids. Um, anyway, so she agrees and she's like, yeah, you know what? Okay, let's relax. Um, that is until she runs an errand for Tom. He's asked her to get the photos developed from his trip away. And when she opens up the um, letter, the photos that she picked up, she realises that it's just him partying with his workmates and um, she brings it inside to him and she points at the photo, like she shows him the photo and she's like, look at you having all this fun while I've been stuck in this house. Like maybe you could at least, when I want to go out and party, um, say yes and take your nice wife out for a nice night. 
And one of my favorite bits was, he's like, this was a work trip. And he points to the photo and he's like, see, regional manager, corporate manager, head of sales. And Lynette also points to the photo and she's like, margarita, cigar, sombrero. <laughs> Literally. How can he even try and defend that? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I know. I think it's just his selfishness coming through. Like, he honestly just doesn't really think, oh, look, Lynette's been stuck at home with the kids. I've had the opportunity to go out and have fun. Even if it is with colleagues, like, it's still fun to go out and, you know, have margaritas with your colleagues. With sombreros on. With sombreros on, exactly. So... Also, like, when he's like, oh, do you remember what it's like to work a 60-hour week? It's like, mate, she works 24-hour days. Like, she doesn't get a single minute to herself. I know, literally. Um, I say it like that because I don't know how many hours are in a week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, didn't do the maths. (laughs) I didn't do the (laughs) maths. Insert maths here. Exactly. When he was saying to her, like, what did you want me to do? Like, did you want me to sit in a hotel room and just stare at the walls or something like that? Like, mate, no. No one was expecting you to do that. But at least if you've got the opportunity to go out and do it, Give her the same opportunity when she comes home. Yeah, which is, I think, what Lynette's exactly. whole point was. Yeah. And um, so he ends up agreeing and saying, like, okay, fine, let's go to the dinner. But she's already cancelled the sitter. So he's going to babysit for the night, mm. in quotation marks. I knew marks. you were going to love that. <laughs> you don't babysit your own kids, mate. You do not babysit your own kids, Tom. Um, and he he's does. like, oh, you know. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know, I got this. Like, I'm so good. They're just kids. It's not rocket science. And meanwhile, I he's know. struggling to open up a pot of jello. <laughs> While all this is happening, Lynette's like, okay, if he can handle it, I'm going to get petty. <laughs> so yeah. um, she calls Preston over and she's like, hey, Preston, you like cookies? And he's like, yeah, but you say we can't have any sugar after five because we get all hyper. And she's like, that's right, sweetie. Now share these cookies with your brothers. Bye. <laughs> yeah, and then you see Lynette taking a phone call right before the dinner party. And she's like, oh, they're bouncing off the walls. Wonder why. I know, but like, that was literally at the start of the dinner party. She lives like across the road. How long could it have taken for that phone call? Like, he called like straight away. And then when she gets home, though, Tom knows what she's been up to because one of the kids told says that they're raising terrorists and she tells him about the dinner party which we'll get to a bit later but it starts to make Lynette question if they're happy in the next scene we see like Tom trying to make some amends so when Lynette gets home from shopping one day he's got um he's wearing a sombrero he's got some margaritas and he's trying to kind of get her to have some fun um at home with him she is like oh by what reliving your night out with the guys and he says, look, yeah. Lynette, I'm trying. And, you know, she puts it behind her and they decide to do a little dance in the kitchen, which is actually quite cute. Um, and the yeah. kids all come and, the and kids st- watch. Yeah, and the kids come and stare at them um, from the uh, stairs. They're all sitting there in a line. And um, Lynette says it's fine if they watch as long as they don't try to cut in. Um, in episode four, uh, we start the episode with Lynette getting called to the school Um and she gets there and the twins are sitting on some benches and their hands are covered in blue paint. Um, yeah. And the teacher is having a chat to Lynette. Sounds like not for the first time about her kids' um, like conduct in class. And he says that um, she thinks they have ADD and Lynette doesn't want to give them any drugs. And she's like, well, I'd rather just move them out of this class and put them in another class 
and the teacher's like, oh, honey, they're in my class because I'm the only teacher that can handle them. But clearly she can't, so. Exactly. Well, this is how dire the situation is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Lynette says, well, why don't we break them up into different classes because maybe they just bounce off each other and they'll be better behaved. And the teacher's like, okay, we can try that. But if it doesn't work, then we might not be able to accommodate them at the school. And then um, you see that the thing that they've done is they've painted Tiffany Axelrod from head to toe in blue paint in the five minutes that the cupboard door was open. Then Lynette's called back to the school because the teacher attempted to separate the kids, but they refused to be separated. And Lynette's like, they're six years old, for God's sakes, just make them. And she's like, well, actually, we, there's rules about handling, like manhandling the kids. So you can give it a go if you want. And yeah, but also it, she's just outside eating sunflower seeds and spitting into her palm like there isn't a fight <laughs> happening in her classroom and there's, like, other kids in there that are just watching it happen. I know. Because she's like, this is the, this is like the I told you so behaviour. Like, now you sort this out. But she's responsible for other children. Yeah, like, I agree. It was very I told you so behaviour. If I was going to be smug about something, I'd also eat sunflower seeds. It's the perfect I told you so food. <laughs> It really is, isn't it? Anyway, so Lynette goes in. Um, but first she says, oh, which one stays and which one goes? And the teacher in her smugness is still like, you know what? You can choose. <laughs> At this point, it's basically whichever one she can get out of the room. Yeah. So next time we see Lynette, she's looking at a newspaper and she's just reading an article basically um, while her kids are going absolutely crazy in the background and just like, you know, just going crazy, screaming, knocking things over. And she kind of has a minute and she's like, okay, kids, come. Like, I've got some special vitamins for you. They're going to make you feel better. But when she goes to get the pills out, she drops them. And as she's scooping them back up, she sees the kids hiding underneath the table. And they're saying that they don't want to take it. Like, they're clenching their mouth shut and going, mm-mm, like, don't want it. Yeah, no, they were being real cute. So, like, <laughs> because they're twins, they're both sitting there. One would open their mouth. By the time she brought the pill to his mouth, he'd shut it and the other one would open his mouth. And then she'd bring them yeah. to the other one's mouth and he'd shut it and the other one would open his mouth. They're playing like Yeah, they know what they're hippos. doing. Yeah, they're playing like hungry, hungry hippos with her. <laughs> yeah, they're being really cute, being really sweet. Like they're playing a game with her and they're not screaming for once. And she yeah. then and there decides that she's not going to medicate them. And she's like, okay, no pills. And she you know, closes up the lid and I give her a big hug. Um, yeah. And instead she decides to self-medicate and yeah. have some wine. <laughs> yeah that's the end of um Lynette's story for these two episodes do we want to talk about Gabby next yes please in episode three the first time we see Gabby is um when she is making out with John yeah so before that um she's telling Carlos about this um dinner party as well and he says he might not make it because he's got to work late and Gabby's getting frustrated about it um, because she's like, oh, you were supposed to be home every day this week, like every night this week. And he says he'll try, but like Gabby, go find a way to relax, like get a massage or go shopping or something. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll relax all right. So she calls John and he's in algebra. Uh, and hate this so much. Yeah. And, oh, my God, the amount of like schoolboy references she makes in this episode literally makes me want to throw up. She's literally worse than – um Ezra, Ezra because she's like leaning into it too at least Ezra doesn't be yeah. like how was school when he makes out with Arya so yeah she's like a real creep 
Um, Ezra doesn't need to ask her because he was there as well. Yeah, that's like, true. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> um, anyway, so she calls John and he says, oh, she says, can you get here as soon as you can? And she's like, well, I have track. And she's like, well, then run as fast as you can. And um, so he asks if he should keep his gym clothes on like last time. Blech. Um, yeah that was kind of gross it really was and then um john walks in um and she was on the phone to her mom and she hangs up and they're starting to again in front of open doors and windows start getting naked and they're making out and whatever um and this is where she asks him about how was school and it gets even cringer because he's he's like i got an a on my biology exam yeah she's like well then show me what you learned like don't even yeah, I was going to say, it just feels so creepy, especially because it feels like she's, like, rewarding his grades as well. Like, it's just, it's so transactional and gross, and I hate it. But, yeah, so while they're um, kind of making out half-naked, getting undressed in front of the window, some kid is staring wide-eyed through the window, <laughs> and when um, Gabby sees her, she just takes off and runs down the street. Okay, can I just um, interrupt you guys right here? You know that little girl that sees him through the window? Her name's Ashley, right? Yeah, Ashley. Does she not remind you of a year six Sadia? Yes! I literally <laughs> said this to Kirk! <laughs> I literally said this to Kirk. She's got your cheeks. And she has your green eyes. And the buck teeth. And the buck teeth. <laughs> like, I'm sat there watching this and I'm like, oh my god, that kid looks like me. And I was like, nah, I saw her. And then later <laughs> And then later on, when she's, like, making faces at Gabby when she, like, brings her the bike and stuff, like, you can literally see she looks exactly like me when I was a kid. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> were you, were you like, um, when did I record this thing? When did I record this show? I don't know. She just looked like me as a as a kid, and I was like, I am not here for this. Like, I felt really cool now. <laughs> She's also nosy like you, so check that I out. Know. I know. If anyone was ever looking in someone's front door window, it would be you. <laughs> and she blackmailed. She blackmailed like a pro. Yeah. No, fully agree. Okay, so so little Sadie runs up down the street. <laughs> and Gabby, like, starts driving around looking for her. Um, like, I don't know what her plan was. What were you going to do when you caught up with this little girl? She starts driving around the streets looking for her. She pulls up back at, like, her own house, basically, and Carlos is there talking to the new girl, and she finds out that it is Ashley slash Sadie, and um, they're her new neighbours. And Ashley is just, like, not talking at all. She's just continuing to death stare Gabby the whole time. And um, In typical Sadie fashion. In typical Sadie fashion. Her mum says that she's shy and she doesn't talk much. And um, Carlos is like, yeah, but I can see her mind working away. And, like, it's literally so true. You can see her mind working away. I know. (laughs) So Gabby goes to talk to Ashley again. She's trying to get her comfortable with the idea that you don't just kiss – like, husband kissing is not just for husbands and wives. Sometimes you kiss other people too, like your grandpa or your dog (laughs) and sometimes (laughs) even your friend. And it's just like a high five on the lips. Um, and Ashley is still like kind of death staring her and she gives her this like Hawaiian doll which is called Princess Kahalua and apparently it means little waterfall or big pond or something according to Gabby <laughs> um, and so Gab- Ashley's still kind of just like staring at her not saying much 
And Gabby's like, okay, cool. So like, tell me if you need anything else. And Asher goes to walk away. Asher's like, what I'd really like is a bike. <laughs> but my favourite part of all of this is later on, Gabby gets her the bike. Yeah. Actually, first of all, I want to start by saying, so Gabby's bought this kid a bike. What is this girl going to tell her parents? Oh, yeah, the next door lady just bought me a bike today and no one's going to question it. Like, why? I or they'll ask where she got the bike. Not it's only messy. that, but Gabby starts being super invested in this girl and teaching her how to ride her bike and everything too. I know. I know. Because that's the thing. Little Sadie Ashley um, also doesn't even know how to ride a bike when she asked for one. she's like thanks for the bike now teach me yeah so she continues to blackmail her and says yeah teach me how to ride this bike and then um like gabby is obviously teaching her how to ride the bike in heels because why wouldn't you and her um feet are getting sore later on when she's at the dinner party unrelated but i'll just mention now susan says to her um oh like susan sees her kind of struggling and she says oh um, I think, like, I was going for a run earlier and I think I pushed myself too hard. And Susan's like, I don't think you were wearing the right shoes. And Gabby's like, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And then I guess the next drama with Gabby starts in the next episode and she's having yet another bath. Like, this girl just baths all day long, every day. Um, yeah. Just bath, bath, bath. Venus woman I've ever met. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she's having a bath with John and they've got, like, bubbles going and there's candles lit everywhere. The doorbell yeah. rings and John freaks out and thinks it's Carlos. And she's like, don't be ridiculous. He wouldn't ring the doorbell. And he grabs his stuff and runs out. They figure out it's the cable guy. He grabs his stuff and runs out, but he leaves a sock behind underneath the bed. When the cable guy comes in, first of all, he's taken by the smell of the sage and citrus candle that was there. Yeah. And um, obviously when he comes in to do the work in the bathroom, the cable guy is coming to do the work in the bathroom, nowhere else. Um, they don't yeah, even bother to mop up the water that's spilt everywhere. This is not an accident waiting to happen at all. He's standing on the wet tiles, pulling a cable out of a wall, um, and he slips, hits his head on the bathtub and falls. She calls the ambulance and they come to take him away. And then Carlos comes home and he's suspicious because um, he's like, it's almost eight, what's going on? And um, Gabby's like, well, he was late. Uh, but he sit, he's looking around and he sees the lit candles and the tub and the romantic atmosphere and he's like, this doesn't really sound right. Carlos finds the sock under the bed. Before he sees her that she saw, Gabby sees that he found the sock and she thinks quick. This is the quickest I've ever seen anyone think. She literally runs to the laundry basket, grabs a whole bunch of socks and runs downstairs to the laundry. She puts them in a little basket in the cupboard and then she turns back around just in time for Carlos to appear at the bottom of the stairs and he's like, what the hell is this sock? And she's like, um, it's Yao Lin's, obviously. And he's like, she, yeah. wears, she wears size 13 men's socks. And she's like, no, it's for dusting. Um, and she <laughs> takes him to the pile of socks as evidence. He's like, okay, like, I guess there is a pile of socks here, uh, whatever. But he's still suspicious, right? Like, yeah. I just think she's a mastermind. Like, who thought of this plan so quickly? Gabby. <laughs> Gabby moves quick because in the next scene, Mei Lin is cleaning the stairs with a sock on her hand and Carlos is just walking past, like, doing a double take. And he's like, have you always done that? And she's like, yes. Carlos is like, okay, like, weird, but checks out. So he walks away. 
And Maylin says to Gabby, I don't like lying. And Gabby's like, yeah, well, I don't like your ironing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the next scene is kind of one of my favorites for Gabby because she's in incognito mode again. Like, she's yeah. wearing a hat and glasses. Nobody knows it's her. She goes to John's soccer game and she brings him um, some sandals. And she's like, Carlos can't see you wearing anything that resembles a gym sock around the house. Like, he found your gym sock, but it's all good. I covered. And he's like, um, I could lose a toe if I mow the lawn in this. And she's like, imagine what you could lose if Carlos finds out you're trimming more than the hedges. So Carlos comes home and John's mowing the lawn in his sandals. <laughs> yeah. And she, he asks him about the cable guy. And I think John's confused now. He's like, he doesn't know how to react. And... Carlos is like, so you leave around five, yeah? And he's like, yeah. And Carlos is like, did you see the cable guy? And he's like, yeah. And then um, Carlos <laughs> is like, oh, so he was in the house for three hours. And John's like, oh, actually, maybe I didn't see him. And he's like, is Gabby asking you to lie? And he says, I don't want to get in the middle of anything, which is basically like. He's just Gabby. an idiot. Yeah, yeah. he answered he answer this in the worst possible way. And Carlos is like, thanks. That's all I need to know. And, um. He goes and tracks down this cable guy. I don't even know how he did it, but he did. And the cable guy's, you know, at his house. He's wearing a neck brace. He gets a knock at the door. He opens it. It's Carlos. Carlos doesn't even wait. He just punches him square in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and then he starts, like, kicking into him while he's on the floor. And he's like, oh, so you think you can have sex with anyone you want? And then after he's bashed this guy, he starts looking around. <laughs> yeah. and he sees all the signs. It's like... There's pictures of topless men, there's musical posters, and then he turns around and he stares at a picture of the cable guy with his partner, and and it's just clicked to Carlos. And he turns around to the cable guy and he's like, are you gay? And the cable's like, yes, is that why you're doing this? And like, instead of saying, no, I made a mistake, like, sorry, I made yeah. a mistake, he's like, yeah, I'd rather commit a yes. hate crime than make a mistake. So he's like, yes. I did. That's I know. Why I um, Literally, like Carlos, you have so much money. Why don't you just say, "Sorry, I thought you were sleeping with my wife." Um, yeah. Let me like reimburse you for your notes. Yeah. Even if he thought he was gonna get in trouble, like he didn't have to say who he was. All he had to say yeah. was, "No, like I thought you were somebody else," and leave. Bro, before he even got to this point, wouldn't you think like? It's just all circumstantial little evidences here and there. Yeah. Would you not think to hire, like, a private eye? Yeah. Before you go to do something, like, this serious? Oh, he didn't need to because he figured it out. (laughs) Guys, he didn't need to. (laughs) (laughs) He's literally on the case and he solved it. He didn't need to. He needed to. He did the math. He's like, okay, John was here. The cable guy was here. And then there was a bathtub slip. <laughs> so the cable guy fucked my wife. <laughs> and yeah. then one guy punched him. <laughs> yeah. He did the math. <laughs> exactly. And also, John now wears sandals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now I have no socks in the house. <laughs> this is also what I mean. So if Gabby went and, like, grabbed a bunch of dirty socks and, like, shoved them in the hamper, like, for um, – sorry, in the laundry cupboard for Maylin, um to use – would Carlos not open the cupboard with her and then be like, this is the sock I wore yesterday. Why is it here? <laughs> I know. I just took that off my foot five minutes ago. <laughs> I know. It's still warm. 
this, Gabby's having yet another bubble bath, this time with her husband. And yeah. they're watching the newly installed TV in their bathroom. And yeah. um, on the news, the reporter's talking about a gay guy being brutally attacked in his home. Like, there's been a hate <laughs> crime. <laughs> and um, the, it says that the guy thinks that it's um, because he's been doing this stuff at work to secure benefits for people with um, same-sex partners being able to be on the same insurance, basically. And mm. um, he thinks that the bashing was a response to that. And there's like a sketch that they put up of the assailant, and it's literally Carlos. Like, <laughs> it's literally a photo of him. It's literally a photo of Carlos that they took on the way out. And um, Carlos was kind of playing with Gabby's hair when it came on, so he's still holding on to her hair as she's watching this, and she's kind of like shocked at what she's seeing. And he's like, "Is there something you want to ask me?" And she's like, "No." Starts scrubbing her arm. I really actually really enjoyed Gabby's storyline in these two episodes. It was just chaos and it was fun. And I liked her ingenuity. Like, don't get me wrong, she's a terrible person. But I really liked her her genius of being like, obviously, the maid dusts with socks. Are you insane? She probably could have solved, like, world peace by now if she really wanted to. Because that's genius. I've never thought of anyone thinking of such an elaborate scheme so quick before. Like, I feel like she's wasting her potential. Yeah. Cool. Um, is it time for Susan? Yes. So we start with Susan when she's sitting at her house and she's reading the morning paper and she realizes that um, it's the 15th of October and she's like, oh, shit, like we had something on the 16th. She opens her calendar and she sees that Mary Alice had planned a dinner party for the 16th um, before she died. And we see a bit of a flashback to um, them playing cards and planning it. She goes and asks the other housewives about the dinner party. And she's like, how could we have forgotten that the dinner party was on? And Lynette says, usually when the hostess dies, the party is off. And Bree's yeah, like, so true. Honestly. Yeah, I know. And Bree's like, oh my God, Lynette, like, how could you say that? And she's like, well, it's true. Um, Because it is. And then, so Gabby's doing a count about how many people are going to be there. And she's like, oh, so it's three couples and Susan. Does that sound right? And Susan's (laughs) like, no, it sounds very wrong. And she's like feeling sorry for herself herself for being single. And And staring at a very sweaty mic on the run. Yeah, yeah. They ask her, is there anybody else you want to invite? And she's like daydreaming about the sweaty mic running past. Like, I mean, he's actually doing it, but she's also daydreaming about him. And, yeah, um, but she, can I just say, like, at the end of last episode, she's like, oh, he's not, still not over his dead wife. Like, I'm just yeah. going to be his friend. Let me ask him out on this date right now. Yeah, but also, like, we learned from these episodes that he got over his dead wife real quick. Yeah, he really did. I was going to say the same thing. He sees Susan naked one time and he's over his dead wife now. <laughs> yeah, he's like, wow. Turns into <laughs> Owen Wilson. Wow. This is wow. why I like you guys because it's so easy to make each other laugh. Like, that's not even funny. Because <laughs> they're hilarious. Like, you're laughing because, yeah, oh, true. Owen Wilson says, wow. <laughs> That's the joke. Um, <laughs> Can you guys 
stop impersonating you on to. <laughs> you also don't sound nothing like you. Ardu sounds like a cat in heat. <laughs> I don't see you doing any impression, Sadie. <laughs> he sounds more like, wow. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like a cat now. You literally just meowed at me. <laughs> no, you know what you said? What? You know those kids' toys that was a tube and you turn it upside down and it goes, wow. Oh, my God, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so in this episode, we meet um, Susan's ex-husband, Carl. So he comes over and he's picking up Julie, I guess. And um, Carl says that him and Brandy are going away to a cabin in the woods. And Susan's like, oh, so you can afford a cabin, but you can't pay child support? And Carl's like, checks in the mail. And Susan does the funniest thing she's ever done. She opens the letterbox and she's like, no, it isn't. Yeah, Julie comes out and she tells them to stop fighting and they kind of, um, they're about to leave. And Brandy throws a drink at the bin that's th- that's next to Susan, but she misses and the can falls on the floor. Um, and Susan's like, oh, I'm sorry, Brandy, do you mind picking that up? And Carl's like, no, Susan, you're right next to it, you dweeb, you pick it up. <laughs> and <laughs> Susan's like, um, I don't think so, because like she threw it. Like, fair call, Susan. I'm on Susan's corner with this one. I feel like Carl yeah. Carl didn't need to interfere at all. Like, he should have just let Brandy pick up the can and it'd be over. Yeah, I know. Um, so then Carl's like, okay, you guys are being so immature. Like, I'll pick it up. And then Susan kicks it. <laughs> he comes to pick it up. And it goes, obviously, and lands right in front of Mike. Who's always walking his dog. <laughs> <laughs> this guy does nothing else. And he's like, do you want me to pick it up? (laughs) Susan is recounting this to Lynette. And Lynette basically tells her that um, she needs to forget Carl and move on. Like, forgive Carl, sorry. She needs to forgive Carl before she can move on um, because she's kind of holding on to this bitterness. And Susan says she's been with this bitterness for so long that she would be lonely without it. But she obviously has to think about this and um, she's – Kind of, we see a shot of her kind of at her house going through her old photo album and she doesn't like how she is seeing what she's become about this whole Carl situation. So we see that she's cut out Carl's face from all of the pictures. So she calls him and she says, like, we need to talk. Maybe when you drop off Julie tomorrow, let's have a moment to have a chat. Um, and then we're up to, like, Susan's highlight, basically. So Carl rings the doorbell. Susan was in the shower and... She just runs downstairs, still soaking wet, with a towel wrapped around her. Like, if you're in the shower, you just got out. Just let, let just it go. Just ignore it. You don't need to answer yeah. that door. Anyway, she runs yeah. downstairs and answers the door. Um, and Carl's like, you said you wanted to talk, so let's talk. And she's like, uh, I'm in a towel. But, like, whose fault is that, Susan? You're the one who ran down and answered the door. He didn't know you were in a towel. <laughs> Carl says, we were married for 14 years. I know what's under there. And he helps himself in so that they could talk. And she basically says to him that I want an apology. Like, I don't want to live my life like this. I want us to move on. But I need an apology for what you did to me and the way that you ended our marriage. And Carl's like, the heart wants what it wants. And Susan's like, but you were married to me. And he's like, the heart wants what it wants. So (laughs) this man um, has clearly proven that he's not capable of apologizing to her at the moment. And so he goes to leave. 
Um, and she's following him outside in her robe, in her towel, rather. Towel. Around her. Yeah. And, you know, he gets into his car. She opens the car door and is, like, staring at him and they're fighting. And he says that she's hum- um, – he says she's humiliating herself. And he's like – she's like, no, you're humiliating yourself because you're the one that people think is scum because you walked out on your family. I can walk down the street and hold my head up high. And then she slams the car door as he drives away, but her towel was stuck in it. So he drives away with her towel and she is buck naked outside of her house. Um, yeah. <laughs> he runs to the front door to go inside, but also she's locked out of her house. <laughs> so she obviously does what any normal sane person would do. And um, she gra- grabs a plant and covers her front and she starts scurrying along um, so that her back's hidden along to the back of her house to try and let herself in from the back door, but the back door is also locked. Um, she's, you know, struggling to get in through a window. She falls in, she falls naked into some shrubs and Mike happens to be walking by because he got her voicemail and was like, yes, I'll come to dinner. Um, also, why is he walking by in the backyard? Yeah, he just is okay. So awkward scene ensues where she's fully naked talking at him from the shrubs where she doesn't bother to get up or cover herself. Yeah. And as soon as this man goes to walk away, she uses what little brush she has left to cover herself. Like, you couldn't have done that three seconds ago when he was talking to you? No. To be fair, to be fair, she crossed her legs. <laughs> she, she was like, I locked myself out naked and then I fell, so how are you? <laughs> and then... um. So Mike starts making a series of jokes about her being naked. The first one is that he assumes the dress for dinner is casual. And she's like, yeah, it's casual. And then they walk across to the dinner party together after this. So it sounds like from what they're saying that Mike helped her break into the house and she went in and she got dressed and then they walked across the road um, to the dinner party. Yeah. And when they get there, Susan's like, please don't make any more jokes about this. Like, I know what just happened is funny, but I'm not ready to laugh about it. And he's like, yeah, okay. And, um... When Bree answers the door, she says, oh, where have you two been? And Mike's like, Susan had trouble finding something to wear while I was <laughs> Yeah, so then it's after the dinner party. And again, they're also talking about what just happened. And Susan says something about, you know, who am I to judge? And Mike makes another joke. And he's like, you mean people in glass houses shouldn't throw soda cans? Which was quite funny. <laughs> she says, just so you know, like, I only get that angry around Carl. And Mike says, just think about Carl as your starter marriage. It's preparing you for something better next time. And um, <laughs> Sadie, you're, Sadie, you're going to laugh. <laughs> Why? Because it's going, coming up. It's coming up. Um, <laughs> Susan's like, oh, well, thank you so much for being such a gentleman, um, you know, about everything that happened to me being naked. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I wasn't that much of a gentleman. I snuck a peek. And for what it's worth, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this is an Owen Wilson moment. I didn't know he was in this show. He is. So after this, like, um, funny interaction with, um, with Mike, she decides that she's going to be the one make amends with Carl. So when Carl comes to drop off, um, Julie the next day. She sort of goes into the that was funny though. She opens the front door of the car, makes Brandy move over, and then she forces herself into the car with Brandy and Carl. Mm-hmm. And she's like, 
I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to apologize. Um, but does she, she apologizes to Brandy, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she apologizes to Brandy. And you can tell, like, she's moving on. Mm. Like, this is a new page. This is a new era for Susan. Yeah. And as she goes to go back into her house, Brandy jumps out of the car. And she also apologizes for the way that things happened and the way that things um, moved forward. But she says that Carl had told me that their marriage was already over. So Mary Alice says over the top, even though it came from an unexpected source, Susan got the apology she always wanted. So I feel like it's her starting that healing process um, over what yeah. happened. Cool. All right. Well, that's all for Susan in the first episode. Um, I just want to tell us what she's doing in episode two, four. Yeah, so episode four, she's doing her favourite hobby, which is micro-gazing. So she's staring out her window and watching shirtless Mike doing yard work. Mm. Meanwhile, Edie pulls up in front of, like, his house for some reason. is just parked outside of his house and is washing herself in tiny shorts next to her car, (laughs) basically. That sponge has never touched that car. I said she's sexy washing her car. She's sexy washing her car and um, her shirt's open. She's pouring water all over herself and, like, everything. Julie is like, okay, but also I stole some of Mike's mail. Um, so you can walk it over and give it to him now. So Susan runs across the road. She breasts boobily at that. Yeah. Her breasts arrived there before her. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, Hey, we got some of your mail by mistake. Just wanted to walk it over. That's my good deed for the day. (laughs) And it's like a flyer for old movies. And she's about to walk away when Mike says, do you like old movies? She's like, Oh my God, I love old movies. Yeah, what a coincidence. Literally exactly like that. Exactly yeah. like that is how she says it. And Edie has a hissy fit, throws a sponge in some water and goes inside to Mrs. Huber. So she's talking to Mrs. Huber and she just says, Ugh, like those big doe eyes, it just makes you want to shoot a deer talking about yeah. Susan. Um, yeah. And Mrs. Huber's kind of like, what's going on? Like, what's wrong with Susan? And she's like, she's out there throwing herself at Mike Delfino. It's like, it's disgusting kind of a thing, as if she wasn't just twerking in his face 10 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about it? I know. And Martha's like, oh, Susan likes Mike. And she's like, where the hell have you been, Martha? <laughs> of course yeah. she likes Mike. <laughs> like, Martha, are you dead under a rock somewhere? Like, of course she likes Mike. And Martha just like menacingly stares outside. So Martha's starting to put, piece things together. Because she knows that Susan had the measuring jug. Like, she knows Susan had yeah. to replace her measuring jug. She knows there was a burnt measuring jug in Susan, in um, Edie's house. So she's putting these things together. And she thinks that um, Susan was involved in the house fire. I mean, she thinks it accurately. But also, it's like, she didn't have that much to go on, really. Like, because no. Edie wasn't even actually with Mike that night for her to draw that link. Like, she would have had to, no. like, Mrs. Hoover had to have thought that Susan thought that Edie was with Mike for that yeah. to make sense. Anyway, she, she makes this draw anyway, and she brings um Susan a pie. And did you guys know it's mincemeat? Oh, is it? Yeah, it, I think it's mincemeat. I think she mentioned it. Are you sure it's not like a blueberry? No, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like, it was subtle, but I think she said mincemeat. Do you know the definition of mincemeat? Do you know um, why we call it mincemeat? No, why? Why? <laughs> so, yeah, so she is kind of like subtly um, using mincemeat to threaten Susan. And she's like, oh, you know that expression, I'll make 
I'll make mincemeat out of you. Um, it's funny because we don't use meat anymore. We use fruit, spices, and rum. And Susan's like, I don't think people say that anymore. And Mrs. Hooper's like, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, basically she puts on this show of like, look, I want to help you, Susan. Your secret's safe with me. Um, I know that you like Mike. And Susan's like, oh, I just like you as a friend. And Mrs. Hooper says, being coy is for virgins at their first dance. It's annoying for women our age. I know. She's still like, oh, I hope it betweens with, works out between you and Mike. You've been so desperate to land him. And Susan's like, ah, I'm not desperate. And she's like, oh, for goodness sake, Susan, you've burnt down your rival's house. And Susan just like stares. Yeah, she's like shocked. And because you would be right, because she did burn down her rival's house. Um, yeah. And Mrs. H takes out the burnt measuring jug and she force feeds Susan a bite of her pie and she's like, did I mention it's mincemeat? So this isn't the end of what Mrs. Hoover wants though. She calls Susan in the middle of the night and she leaves a message um, because Susan didn't answer and she's like, I can see your lights on. I hope you're not screening. That's so tacky. Um, so tacky Susan's, tacky, though. tacky Susan's listening to this message and Mrs. Hooper says that her heater just burst and it's her water heater just burst and it's going to cost her $600 and she's just beside herself. So she's obviously like hinting that um, she wants Susan to pay for it. And so Susan does what any responsible parent does and she wakes up her teenage daughter to tell her that she's being blackmailed. <laughs> she wants to tell the police but and because she's like, oh, they won't put me in away because it was an accident. But Julie thinks yeah. that this will give Carl an opportunity to reopen, um, like, custody. And she doesn't want to go live with her dad. So, And this is why I didn't like Susan this episode. Like, she's not thinking about her kid. She's being very harebrained and forgetting that she's got responsibilities. Yeah, She's but- so obsessed about running after Mike and running after, like, um, all the, the jug that she forgets that she's got obligations as a mother. And she sat there in the middle of the night with her kid that she just woke up to tell her her plan on how to go to jail. Yeah. Oh, well, she didn't mean to, like, she doesn't treat Julie like her kid. She treats Julie like her bloody counsellor. I think that's the problem. Yeah. And, like, whilst it was cute that they were, like, feeding off each other, giving each other ideas or whatever, Mm. it's not cute now when Mm. things are about to get, like, serious. Like, the show's trying to make lightheartedness out of it. It's a serious thing. Like, hey, I burnt down this house. Someone has evidence against me. But yeah, anyway, um, did you want to talk about the plan that uh, she makes with Julie? Julie and Susan decide to take back the power, yeah. which basically means breaking to Hoover's house when Edie and um, Mrs. Hoover aren't home and retrieving this measuring cup. So many plot holes here. So step one of this... Um, elaborate plan is that these two are going to go outside and play frisbee Mm. the loudest most annoying frisbee playing you've ever seen in your entire life yeah right so they're um they're tossing the frisbee to each other and susan accidentally tosses it into the back of huber's house yeah where accidentally on purpose accidentally on purpose where um julie takes her conveniently placed gloves that she's got literally tucked into the front of her pants yeah and runs off to get the frisbee. But while she's in there trying to retrieve the frisbee and the um, measuring jug, Edie decides to come home early from work. Yep. 
She's not feeling well, you see, because she got a sunburn washing her car. It's not Edie first, is it? It's Mike first. Yes, first Mike. Yes, that's true. Mike Mike wanders over first. Yeah. And Mike wanders over and he's trying to ask um, Susan out on another date. She agrees to this date. Then Edie comes home early from work. So and she sort of drops talking to Mike and runs over to try and stop Edie from going into the house. Because if she goes into the house, she's going to find Julie there. Yeah. So she's trying to stall them. But it just turns into like this really awkward exchange between the three of them. In a bit, in a bid to um, get Edie to stop entering the house, she invites Edie onto her date with Mike, yeah. and then Mike's like, "Oh, well, I've only got two tickets." So she said, and I quote, "You can have mine." Yeah. She yeah. she like bowed out of her own date just so um, Edie didn't enter the house and find Julie in the mug. But can I just say, though, this wouldn't have happened to Gabby. She would have found a quick, smart excuse to not get her in the house without giving up her date. Exactly. I don't know. Like, it could have been literally anything. But, no, she chose to set up her nemesis and her and her date on a date. Yeah. So Susan's sitting out on her front deck area, I guess, just on her little step. And she's drawing, minding her own business. And Mrs. Huber comes up to her and says, you know, you took it, didn't you? And Susan's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And if I did, um, you know, I'm not going to tell you, basically. And she's like, I suppose you destroyed it then. And she's like, Susan's like, sorry. Um, yes, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Mrs. Hoover. But <laughs> if I did, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mrs. Hoover is like, well, you didn't have to do that. I was going to keep your um, secret for you. It's a shame you couldn't trust me. And Susan gets upset with her. She's like, you know, you're a real piece of work. And Mrs. Hooper tries to cut her off, her off. And she's like, oh, let's still be friends, Susan. I know I blackmailed you into buying my groceries and possibly a, a new water heater and everything and made you have to break into my house. But mm. let's still be friends. And Susan's like, I just want to make something very clear to you. I will keep doing my part to be a good neighbor. I will, you know, bring my bins in on time. I will walk my ma- your mail over if I get some by mistake. Um, like I'll do everything I need to do. My lawn will be tidy, but just know when I see you and I say, good morning, Mrs. Huber, or good evening, Mrs. Huber, just know that inside I am hating your guts. Quietly, but decidedly hating your guts. Yes. Quietly, but decidedly hating your guts. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Huber's like, oh, come on, dear. Let's not, let's be careful. Let's not say things will grow to regret. And Susan just smiles at her and is like, Good evening, Mrs. Huber. I love that for and her. And then she leaves. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then we're up to Bree. They're talking about the dinner party and about their therapy. And Bree says to Rex um, that he's not to drink anything at this dinner party uh, because he gets chatty when he drinks. And she doesn't want people to know that they're at therapy. Um, and he's... And she tells him that she's been telling people that they've been taking tennis lessons because that's a plausible explanation. That's how they um have been explaining their time away. Rex is like, I think he asked it to be like, an, like he was frustrated when he asked. He didn't expect a real answer. He was kind of like, and how is this tennis game of ours going? And she's like, your my backhand is improving, but you're still having problems with your serve. <laughs> 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 and then the next thing is and i love this because they're in therapy um they're with dr goldfine and dr goldfine's saying that they should do private sessions and it sounds like um rex really wants to do private sessions he says that this is you know a big thing he's got things he wants to say to dr goldfine that he can't say in front of brie um and Gold, dr goldfine says this is an opportunity for them to each deal with their personal issues 
and Bree says, I have no personal issues except that my husband wants to leave me and I can't talk about it when he's not here. <laughs> so Dr. Goldfine convinces her that this is a good thing. So Brex is going to take the first half of the session and she's going to take the second half of the session. This is the bit I love. So Brie says to Dr. Goldfine, fine, like, well, let's do that. But if Rex wants to talk to you about anything to do with, like, porn, adultery or whatever, I want you to take a moral hard line. And then she gets up and she's got her tennis racket with her. Like, she's really committed to <laughs> Like, she's really committed to this bit where she's just, like, carrying around a tennis racket to cover for herself. I just loved it. Just so Brie. They're at the dinner and Brie's husband, Rex, is talking with Gabrielle's husband. <laughs> for some reason, Carlos is just, like, overly asking about these tennis lessons like where are you doing them who's your teacher how's it going like just asking him all these invasive questions and rex and he's also got a drink in his hand which we told him not to just blurts out that they're going to marriage counseling and just as he says that Bree's right behind him with her tray of hors d'oeuvres and she just lets clatter to the floor so he's so he's sort of like exclaiming to everyone that they're in therapy, which is exactly what Brie told him she didn't want happening. So I was expecting like Brie yeah. to like sort of explode, like hit him with something, but she didn't. She kept her cool, calm demeanor and she invited everyone to the table because dinner's served. Like it's just awkward when they get there. So yeah, so they're at the dinner part. So they're at the actual dinner. They're sitting down, they're eating and it's awkward because everybody just found out that they've gone to marriage counselling. And Susan's like, look, I'm going to be the one to break the ice here. So you're going to marriage counselling. It's no big deal. Listen to this. And she tells them about how just 10 minutes ago, Mike found her naked outside and it was really embarrassing. And then the others start telling their funny lewd stories as well. So Lynette's like, well, me and Tom got kicked out of Disneyland when we were first married because things got a little bit too wild on Mr. Toad's wild ride. And Gabby's like, me and Carlos broke a waterbed in Cancun. Um, and everyone's having a good time now. They're like bouncing at each other. Everyone's laughing. They've kind of forgotten the awkwardness of it all. And then Bree's like, Rex cries after he ejaculates. <laughs> I know. And everybody just goes dead silent. Like they've gone from that really high of like everyone's having fun. They're laughing. There's banter. And then everyone just goes dead silent again. Rex is like, F this. And he just grabs some keys and he walks out. Um, the next scene that I've got is um, Brie and Rex are sitting on the bed. Rex is sitting on the bed and Brie is packing his suitcase. And he's making his plan yep. to, like, vacate their their home, right? And mm-hmm. um, not only is Brie packing his suitcase, she's also giving um, criticisms on the hotel that he's chosen to stay at. <laughs> This is another moment where I thought Bree's uh, brilliance was um, un- underplayed by Rex because he's like, so what are you going to tell the kids <laughs> about what, what's happened? And she's like, how about I tell them you're at tennis camp? <laughs> but um, Rex leaves in a half and he's like, and she's like, why are you doing this? And he turns around to her in all his sincerity and says, it's because you're still packing my suitcase. No, you won't even let me pack my suitcase. Yeah, so then Brie goes to Dr. Goldfine. That's the next thing that she does. And she wants to talk to him urgently about Rex moving out. And he says he can't see her at the moment because he's got another client. And she's kind of a bit besides herself. And he's like, okay, just hold on for a minute. Um, I'll go and talk to my client and I'll come back. But he he basically says to her that he can't say anything that Rex has told him, any, her, told him anyway because it's unethical. Um, so he goes out of the room temporarily to talk to his next client. 
and Bree is going through the tape recordings that um, Dr. Goldfine records of his sessions. And she goes to grab the recording of Rex's session, obviously, so she can listen to it to see what he's been talking about in their private sessions. But she finds a juicy little nugget instead. She finds that Mary Alice Young had also seen Dr. Goldfine and there's a tape recording there. Um, so she takes it instead of the one that Rex had. She kind of hides it under her jacket. And when Dr. Goldfine comes back in um, and says he can see her at 8am, she's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, cool. Bye. And hurries out of there with the um, tape in tow. The next thing in line for Brie is um, she's at home and the dining room doors are half open and she's setting up the table for dinner and her kids walking. I don't know her kids names, by the way. And her and the kids are like talking amongst themselves. One of them is saying that you know dad didn't come home last night, and the other one is saying, "Well, mum's like cooking. They had a big fight. Dad left." The other one's saying, "Oh, well, mum overcompensates with her cooking." So as yeah. the um as the sliding doors to the dining room open, and she's like, "A dinner served." They look at the table, and it's like a massive roast, which looked delicious, by the way. Like massive roast with like all these yeah, fixings. It really did. And they sort of looked at each other and they're like, Oh, it's bad. Then her son walks out, doesn't he? He storms out. Like her the the kids know what's up. Bree's still adamant that she's going to keep them from the truth about what's going on. Like they don't need that um that burden with them. So he was yeah, he left that night. Then the next day she goes and to and knocks on his door. And she asks him where he was and he lies. And he says he was at Brian's and she's like, try again because I called Brian's mum. He's like, oh, I thought we were talking about, I thought we were all telling lies because um, I called dad's cell phone, by the way, and I know that he moved out. And so she says to Andrew, just because I didn't tell you about my matter, ma- marital problems yeah. doesn't mean you get to be rude. And he's like, well, can I be rude because yeah. you drove my father away? Yeah, that was rough. Then we see Brie preparing dinner. Right? With her daughter? Yeah. And it's late and Andrew's missing. And she's like to Daniel, can you just call him? Daniel says, oh, here's my advice. Call dad and get him to kick his ass. And Bree's like, no, I can handle this without your father. Um, yeah. Call him and ask him where he is. And Daniel's like, well, he's going to know immediately that what's going on. She's like, no, he won't. Um, so Daniel calls Andrew and immediately she's like, he wants to, he knows what's happening <laughs> and hands the phone back to yeah. Bree. Um, it sounds like he's at a club um, and he, like, Bree's asking where he is and he just kind of hangs up on her. She takes off her gloves that she was using to wash the dishes and stuff with and she breaks into Andrew's room and she's kind of yep. going through it and she finds a set of matches for a strip club called Topsy Turvy and she assumes he's there and she shows up and he is. So the first thing she does is she scares off his friends by telling him, yeah. how great their church solo was so they take off and andrew's like yeah. you've humiliated me at this strip club and i'm not going anywhere and then she's sitting next to andrew and some random other guy who's also at the strip club is talking about how rough this girl must have had it in her life to end up where she is and yeah. the guy next to her is like turns to andrew and he's like kid get her out of here she's ruining it for the rest of us <laughs> and um Andrew is like defeated and they go back home. And then the next day, um, she's going through and cleaning his room, just like she promised she would at the strip just club. Just like she threatened um, she would. Yeah. She's just like, like, I'm sorry, Andrew, I shouldn't have lied to you about your father. You're old enough to know the truth. Um, and, you know, I shouldn't have done that to you, mm. basically. Um, 
And he's like, yeah, keep going. I'm still mad. And she's like, if you think I'm going to apologize for pulling you out of a strip club, you're like literally insane. Yeah, fair. Um, she says, I think it was my finest moment, actually. To date, yeah. yes. Um, she says um, also, I just don't think it's fair that, you know, you blame me for all of this. I want you to understand that, you know, this is both of us, like both me and your dad's issue. And he said, I do. I just don't want him to leave. Yeah. And Brie kind of just says, you know, like me too. And they have this bit of a tender moment um, where she holds his hand and he kind of looks off to the side and he's like, so when can I get my door back? And she's like, in three months. <laughs> so she's taken his door off the hinges and um, has taken away his privacy now. And that's all I have for Brie that isn't under Mary Alice. Same. And now we're up to the Mary Alice drama. So we start off um, on the Mary Alice timeline with Zach and Paul eating a meal together. Zach's asking Paul about uh, Mary Alice's obituary. He says that Mrs. Warmington looked for the obituary but didn't find one. And Zach's like, did you even put one in? Paul says, no, um, like, I forgot. I also caught up with other stuff. And Zach's like, you never talk about her. Like, you've, it's like you've forgotten that she existed. And then Zach says, well, maybe when you die, I won't put in an obituary. And Paul, creepy as ever, is like, well, that would be your choice to make, assuming you outlive me. How do you say that to your kid? (laughs) He just does, okay? He just does. It was one of the creepiest moments of this show to date, for sure. It was so menacing. Yeah. And then Zach's kind of going through the garage in their house, and he finds the revolver hidden in there behind some boxes. And when Paul comes into the house later on, um, he's opening the fridge to look for a snack and he hears Zach playing with the revolver. He's just sitting in the kind of lounge room playing with the revolver. In my notes, I made a little um, Cluedo joke to myself. It's not that funny. I said, it's Zach in the revolver with the, <laughs> Zach with the revolver in the study. <laughs> it's, it's not funny. Zach's in the living room with the revolver. He's playing with it. And he says that he wants to talk about his mum. Paul's starting to get a bit scared. He's like, you need to be on your meds. And then Brie knocks at the door and she wants to invite them to the dinner party. She's kind of saying this and I guess Zach becomes a little bit transcendent and he's standing there staring at Brie like, oh, a dinner party. And Brie comes, um, not Brie, <laughs> Paul comes over and he says, like, we've already got plans tomorrow night. He quietly takes the gun out of um, Zach's hand. They say bye to Bree. Bree's looking a bit freaked out because she's like, "What are these weirdos doing?" And then Mary Alice says that that night Paul gave his son something to calm his nerves. Which means what? Poison? Medication? I think I think the medication that he mentioned. Because we also in the next yeah. scene we see him falling asleep on the couch with um, mm. a bunch of pill bottles in front of him. So I'm guessing that's what they were. And so Paul goes over to kind of tuck him in. Quite a tender little moment for the creep. And he says, um, well, he doesn't say, the news report that's playing on the TV says that the chest that we saw Paul hide a couple of episodes ago has been... With has human been remains inside. Um, and, uh, yeah, what looks like human remains. And this is exactly what we were saying. Like, why would you dig that up from the safety of the bottom of a concrete pool and put it in a public lake? Why would you do this? Also, my thing is... So next that we see Paul turn off the TV and leave, and we also see that Zach wasn't asleep. So that's the big mm. thing. Like, oh, dang, he's actually awake. Yeah. But my issue with this is why would yeah. you turn off the news? If you have a chest with a body in it that you've shoved in the lake, 
um, and you see it come up on the news, would you not keep listening to find out what they know? Yeah, well, I guess he found out everything he thought he could find out. And he starts immediately making a plan for um, how to get out of this. And, like, he just starts to put his house up for sale in the middle of the night. I know. Like, did he just have that um, for sale sign ready in the garage? Like, where did he even get that he from? He must have. Episode yep. four, what's she doing on Zoom? Or what, what's happening in her timeline anyway in episode four? Well, she's still dead. She's but... still dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but her friends are not. So Bree brings the tape over to Gabby's house and they're all listening to the tape, the one that Bree stole from the um, Dr. Goldfine's office. Mm. And they can hear Mary Alice talking and they're kind of like, it's so weird hearing Ma- Mary Alice's voice again. But Mary Alice is saying that she's having the same nightmare again where she's standing there in the river and there's some girl under it who's like screaming and just kept screaming, Angela, Angela. Um, and Dr. Goldfine asks her, what does that name mean? Does it have any significance? And she says, that's my real name. And they're kind of wondering, what do they do now? They, the girls, the, not the girls, the housewives are all talking about um, what they should do now, basically. Mm. And they kind of just say that they don't know and they all stare at Paul from across the road. Susan wants to show Paul the note and Gabby's like, no, let's not do that. And also I'm glad Paul's moving away. He's always given me the creeps. And Bree chimes in and says that there was something malignant about him and they always felt a bit like uneasy around him, but they never said anything. Yeah, they've all felt it. They've all felt it. But Bree loves what he's done with the lawn. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And then I guess the next thing is the housewives decide that they're going to tell Paul about the note. So Susan and Gabby walk into Lynette's where she was already sitting with Bree and they say that Paul is coming over and they told him that they need to show him something. So Susan's like, we noticed you're selling the house and he says that they've had too many painful memories so he needs a fresh start. And they start telling him that they think that there was more to Mary Alice's death than they he may be aware of. Um, and they found they show him the note that they found in her stuff the day that they were cleaning it out. And he reads it and he just basically breaks down and cries. Um, someone asks him if he's going to be okay. And he says no and he storms out. But also, like, what did you expect him to say? Yeah. Yeah. Like, or, or react to that? Like- yeah. I don't know that they thought it was suspicious yet, though. I think they got suspicious at his next action. Yeah. You give your dead best friend's husband. Yeah. I do agree. Like, you give your dead best friend's, like, husband uh, a note that sort of signifies that, you know, she might have killed herself for a specific reason. And then he sits there and he cries. You watch this man Mm. cry and then you say to him, are you okay? Like. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what else reaction were you expecting from him? I didn't mean that suspiciousness or anything. Oh, yeah. I mean that, like, he's having a breakdown because you've just shown him this note and, like, Mm. the possible reason that his wife's killed himself. Like, what were you expecting to get out of that conversation besides that? Yeah. Nah, I get it. But later on, Paul comes over to say um, he's sorry. Um, I can't remember to who. I didn't write it down. Yeah. I think Gabby and Lynette. Yeah, Gabby and Lynette. So he comes over and he just basically says, like, I'm really sorry about my outburst um, and I just think I owe you guys a bit of an explanation. Mary Alice Young wasn't very well. She was a bit troubled and everything started off pretty harmless. Like, she started leaving herself notes for reminders, like pick up the dry cleaning and get, get milk kind of a thing. And then over time, the notes became more ugly and they were written to all of us, like to me and Zach as well is what he's saying. 
and um, that's why he lost it. It kind of just reminded him of what they had been through together and um, it was just a bit, like, confronting for him. He'd appreciate it if they kept it to, to themselves, though, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah of course, of course, of course. And um, Paul sort of walks away and immediately Gabby's like, do you believe any of that? And that's like, nope, not, not a word, basically. Yeah. They're very suspicious of that explanation. They don't buy it. Yeah, rightfully so. And, like, they would have picked up on, like, they were her best friends. They saw her basically every day. They would have picked up on her not being well, I guess, is yeah. the other thing. Like, that wouldn't be just limited to the house. Like, they would have also noticed strange things. Like, it's not like she's, exactly. just, she's just well but also writes crazy notes. Yeah, exactly. So then Lynette and Gabby go back and they're telling the rest of the housewives about um, Paul, Paul's comments. Bree's like, um, yeah, well, she did say her real name was Angela. And Lynette's like, Mary Alice was not crazy. Bree's like, well, my dad's a prosecutor. And he always said that the simplest explanation is usually the right one. And Susan weighs in and she says, no, nah, I don't think so. Because that's not the kind of note that someone sends to themselves. That's a note that an enemy would send. So they're all kind of debating at this stage whether or not, you know, Mary Alice did write the note to herself or not. But the general consensus is no. And then we see that Paul's hired a PI to investigate who sent the note. So Mary Alice's voiceover over the top says that it was an enemy that sent the note. Um, You know, she asks, could it be a friend? Could it be a neighbour? Or could it be an enemy? Um, and she implies that it was a neighbour that lived a few feet away. And whose house did they zoom Hoover. into? Hoover's house. Hoover house. But if she did, how, like, fucking dramatic if she sent the note, hears a gunshot, and then goes over to peer into her window to return a blender? <laughs> like, Yeah, true. Good point. Maybe it was her big plan like, to maybe. get the blender. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Had to keep it somehow. Yeah. These episodes were so good. They, they were. were really good. I actually forgot how quickly everything becomes so good in this show. Well, thank you guys for listening and thank you guys for recording with me today. Um, that and was... this took us a whole week. <laughs> yeah, that took us a whole week. So that was Wisteria Lane. We'll be back next week again with um, Shadewood. Um, as usual, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach us on all our socials. We're at Worse is the Shire on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. And we are at Sister Worst on Twitter. Um, you can also email us on worstistheshire at gmail.com. With that, we're going to say our usual hadabums. I'll count us out. One, two, three. Hadabum. Hadabum. Hadabum.